Well, friends, listen. In counseling, it's amazing to me how many married couples either never knew or they have forgotten how to be married. We think that because we are married, we know how to be married. Well, I want to tell you today that as we look at God's strategy for divine marriage, successful marriage, today you're going to get some special insight. You're going to be able to look at biblical instruction. You'll be able to see a biblical model. And hopefully you will glean some biblical understanding about this sacred bond that we call marriage. We want to know how our marriages can not only survive, we want to know how they can thrive. And we want to know how we can be the very best husbands and the very best wives that God wants us to be, whether you're married now or whether you might be married at some point in the future. Now, there are many illustrations about marriage that I would love to share, but I'm just going to share with you a couple of favorites. There was one philosopher whose name was Anonymous. Amen? Y'all know, know that one? His name was Anonymous. And here's what he said. He said, many, many girls marry men just like their fathers. And that's why so many mothers cry at weddings. Now, a fellow named Ogden Nash advises men in this special poem. And Janet and I were just talking about this subject uh, yesterday afternoon. Here's the little poem. He says, to keep your marriage brimming with love in a loving cup. Whenever you're wrong, admit it, men. Whenever you're right, shut up. <laughs> Amen, baby? <laughs> now, finally... A fellow named Herb Forst advises men what not to buy for their wives. Men, y'all need to be listening up. Here we go. Don't buy clothing that involves sizes. Chances are one in 7,000 that you will get the size right and she's going to be offended the other 6,999 times. Men, Avoid all things useful. That new silver polished that's advertised on TV to save hours and hours of her time won't win you any brownie points with your bride. Don't buy jewelry. The jewelry that your wife wants, you can't afford. And the jewelry you can't afford, she don't want. Amen? Men, don't spend too much. Because she'll ask you, how are we going to afford that? But you can also not spend too little because then she'll say, is that all I'm worth? <laughs> Friend, before we look at God's design for marriage, I want us to realize two very important truths about marriage. First of which is marriage is a journey. You know, when God created the Garden of Eden... Do you remember what he said about everything that he created? He said, it was good. Everything he created was good. But then when God saw Adam's aloneness, 
When he saw that Adam was alone, what did he say? That ain't good. So of all the things that God created, there was only one thing that wasn't good. And that was the fact that Adam was alone. There was no suitable helper for Adam. And so God made Adam a helper that was just right for him. And he commanded Adam to be joined to Eve as his wife. Eve was to help Adam through this journey of life. And Adam was to help Eve through that journey of life. Marriage is never an end in and of itself. It's an ongoing journey that requires help. We need help. We need one another's help. And this idea of marriage was all God's idea. He knew exactly what he was doing. So marriage is a journey. It's never an end in itself. But marriage is also a partnership. Before we look at our verses today, I want you to notice that the whole section in Ephesians chapter 5, by the way, that's on page 1041 in the Bibles in front of you, if you want to get there with me. The whole section that we're going to be looking at today is prefaced by Ephesians 5 verse 21 that says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So everything that you hear from here on out takes into consideration the fact that husbands and wives are submitting to one another in the fear of God. Husbands and wives are to mutually submit to one another in the fear of God. Now that doesn't mean, men, that you can neglect your responsibility as the spiritual leader in your marriage. That does not mean, men, that you can neglect your responsibility as the spiritual leader in your family. However, it does mean this. It does mean that the husband should be so busy looking out for the needs of the wife. And the wife should be so busy looking out for the needs of the husband that no one's needs are going unmet. That's exactly what submitting to one another in the fear of God means. So let's read about the divine design for marriage beginning in Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to begin again in verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now let me just say right there, can I just say, that means wives, let your husbands lead. Let your husbands be the spiritual leader in your marriage. Let your husbands be the spiritual leader in your family. For as the husband is the head of the wife, also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, listen up. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. How should you love them? As Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, Paul says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So in this biblical model of marriage, we find three concepts that I believe every married couple and potentially married couple need to know. First of all, you need to know God's purpose for marriage. Why did God create marriage? Well, there's two primary reasons that God created marriage. Purpose number one is for growth. Your growth. In Ephesians 5.31, the Bible begins by saying, For this reason, or for this purpose, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined or cleave to his wife. Now, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, here's what he said. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I did away with all those childish things. Too many times in marriages today, we have men, husbands, fathers, still acting like children. And we need to take Paul's advice and put away those childish things. Right? So, quite simply, if you're not ready to end the childish behavior, then you're not ready to get married. Right? Furthermore, if you're not ready to end your dependence on your parents, you're not ready to be married. If you're, you're not ready to cleave until you're ready to leave. Right? So we need to know that. Larry Cunningham got a phone call from his newly married daughter. It seems that his daughter had gotten into an argument with her husband and there were many, many tears as the daughter was just pouring out her heart to her daddy. And after hours and tears, the daughter said, Daddy, I just want to come home. And the daddy said, I'm sorry, daughter. I'm sorry, my love. You are home. It's all about perspective. We need to realize that when we're ready to leave, then and only then are we ready to be joined to our wives. Marriage is God's purpose. It is God's purpose. It's His plan for creating new families. It's His plan for creating new believers. Right? That's what we see in church. <clears throat> we see children growing up as a result of godly mothers and dads raising up their families. So God's creating a new family. Therefore, when you get married, you've got to have a new focus. You've got to have a fresh focus and you've got to have a new direction in your life. You've got to change your perspective. And that's going to involve new responsibilities. It's going to involve new risks. It's going to involve new commitments. 
It's going to require that you adopt a different philosophy, a different perspective on how to understand other people and appreciate other people. So the first purpose in God's design for marriage is that we mature and grow as individual believers. But God's second purpose for marriage is this. Intimacy. Intimacy. Now, in the second part of Ephesians 5.31, the Bible says that man shall cleave, he will be joined to his wife. Now, being joined is a picture of intimacy. It's a picture of being joined together. And it pictures the need for and the commitment to one another. When you're joined together, that means you stay together. You can't split apart something that's joined. When you're joined together, you're partners for life, no matter what might occur. When you're joined together, it means as long as we both shall live, we're joined together. So, <clears throat> God's primary purpose for marriage appears to be growth and intimacy. Now, let's look at God's picture of marriage. In the third part of Ephesians 5.31, the Bible says, And the two shall become one. The two shall become one flesh. They shall be joined together, and the two shall become one flesh. That's not only a reference to the obvious sexual union between a husband and wife, but it also means that now there is a singular focus. Husband and wife have come together, and now they have a singular focus. They're dreaming together. They're planning for the future together. They're celebrating the joys of life together. They're enduring the struggles of life together. See, marriage is not two agendas. The ideal is one shared agenda. Marriage is not two dreams the ideal is one shared dream. Marriage involves shared priorities, shared goals, common goals, and a desire to see each one turn out to be the best husband or the best wife that they can become. Marriage is not two approaches to raising children. The ideal is one united, agreed upon, shared plan for raising your kids. Marriage is not two budgets. It's one integrated budget. Working together for the good of both, for the whole family. Marriage is not separate future plans. No, it's one shared plan for the future. That means you're going to have to get together with your wife. You're going to have to get together with your husband to share all these things and share God's ideal for marriage. And listen to this. When victories happen, and you know they're going to, right? We always have victories in our marriage. Well, when they do, both the husband and the wife have come together, and they're both sharing the blessings of God's work in the victory in their marriage. So, that's God's picture for marriage, if you will. That's God's ideal for marriage. But I also want to share for, with you God's plan for marriage. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, first chapter of the Bible, the Bible says, And God created them 
in his own image, male and female, he created them. And brought them together, male and female, and joined them together as husband and wife. Now, a fellow named John Graham says it really well. He says, even though marriages are made in heaven, they're made by God, right? Man has the responsibility for the maintenance. Marriage is made in heaven, but we have the responsibility to maintain what God has provided for us. As He did in the Garden of Eden, God gives us uh, abilities, responsibilities, and free will to choose success in our marriage. You choose whether you're going to have a thriving marriage or not. Day to day, every day, you choose whether you're going to have a successful marriage or one that flounders and fails. It's so important that we choose success, that we choose wisely and make sure that we maintain our marriage. Now listen, it ain't always easy. I think we would all agree with that. It's not always easy. How many of you know that men and women are different? One's over there whistling. <laughs> Poor James. Amen. <laughs> he was acknowledging it too. He's acknowledging the obvious. Amen. Men and women are different. But aren't you thankful? I cannot imagine being married to a Bill Barlow. What a loser. Amen. What amazing. That would be horrible. But listen. God created us differently and brought us together on purpose. He created us differently and brought us together by His choice. So we need to honor and bless the differences in our husbands and wives. Not only understand the differences, but also to appreciate the differences that we have between husbands and wife. I have another quote from Mr. Anonymous. Here's what else he wrote. He said, marriage is when you agree to spend the rest of your life sleeping in a room that's too warm. Next to a person who's sleeping in a room that's too cold. Amen. She ain't looking. Amen. That's marriage. Right? Uh, seeing the differences. And appreciating those differences. See, we're not just different physically. No. I'm glad we're not the same. I'm glad that we're different. Because we're different in our interests. We're different in how we express our emotions. We're different in how we think. We're just different in how we eat. Amen? All those things make us unique. And God has taken these differences and He's brought them together to make us super special you. Amen. And those differences are a blessing. And you know, we should recognize those differences. Appreciate those differences. But it's a shame to me how little time we take practicing relating to the differences that we are having our husbands and wives. Do you know that God wants you to be the very best spouse you can be? Do you know that God wants you to be the best husband and the best wife that you can be? But he never said it would be easy. He just said he's going to keep working on you until it happens. Anything of value 
requires effort, does it not? Anything of great value requires a lot of effort. And marriage is no different. Making marriage work can be tough. It can be difficult. But even though it's a challenge, we need to know it can be done. Miss Francis and Mickey Berryhill celebrated 57 years yesterday. Now, I don't know if that's a testament to Mickey or a testament to Francis. But either way, 57 years is a long, long time. Robert Keeler said it like this. He said, marriage is like twirling a baton, turning a backflip, and eating with chopsticks. It looks real easy until you try it. Amen? Marriage is the same way. It's real easy until you try it. So today, men, I want to begin with you. First of all, men, I pray that every man in this room, whether you're married now or you may in the future, I pray that you leave this place committed to being the very best husband that you can be. And I want to show you that the Bible provides us some Bible ideas for helping us to become the kind of husband that he wants us to be. Number one. Show your wife your love sacrificially. In Ephesians 5.25, the Bible said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Men, can I tell you, you need to work. We need to work hard at our marriage. We can't be lazy. We can't be lazy husbands. Like it or not, it is your responsibility to make the marriage work. It is the husband's responsibility to provide for the physical and emotional needs of your wife. It's your responsibility. Will you man up and take responsibility in your marriage? Show your love sacrificially, but also show your love affectionately. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, giving honor to them. Show your affection by giving her attention to the little things. I think husbands so many times neglect the little things. And in neglecting the little things, we blow it sky high. So let us not neglect the little things because those little things are probably big things to her. Right? So show your love sacrificially. Show your love affectionately. But then men, listen up. Say it verbally. Tell her often how much you love her. Tell her often that you love her. Don't you ever be separated in the morning until you've told her verbally that you love her. Michael Collins, who was an astronaut, went to a marriage conference, and here's what he learned. He learned that the estimated number of words that a man speaks in a day is 15,000 words. That's a lot of words, amen? But then he also learned that the number of words that a woman speaks is 35,000 words. Y'all see a little difference in balance there? But here's what Collins said. He said, unfortunately, when I come home, I've already spent my 15000 but she's just getting started on her 35000 Amen? So we need to listen up, men. We need to know that our wife needs conversation. She needs the encouragement. She needs your attention. She needs it perhaps more than you do. 
It's okay that your wife understands your smells. Amen? It's okay that your wife knows your bad habits. But she also wants to know your heart. And that's only going to happen when you show your love verbally. Now, ladies, the Bible also wants you to leave this church committed to being the very best wife for your husband that you can be. To do that, the Bible also provides three ideas to help you be all that you can be. Number one, be respectful of your husband. Notice there in Ephesians 5.33, the Bible says, Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, respect is probably what your husband desires most from you. He wants to know that he's doing it right. He wants to know that he's providing right. That he's loving you right. He wants to know that you respect his efforts to get it right. Remember, ladies, he's a person, not a project. Remember, ladies, he's a man, not a pet. Remember, ladies, he's to be loved by you, not trained by you. Watch it. I'm not even going to acknowledge you. Because this is what Amanda Hughes said about Bubba Hughes one day. Seems that Amanda went to a woman's conference and it was on marriage. You remember this marriage conference, sister? She said, yeah. Well, at one, at one point, the teacher of the conference asked all the women, how many of you women want to mother your husbands? Well, one member way back in the back, that was Amanda, she was waving her hand. And the teacher said, well, Amanda, what, do you really want to mother your husband? And she said, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you said smother. Whatever comes around goes around, brother. I'm just telling you. Amen. <laughs> Wives, remember, remember, rather than seeking to change him, choose instead to respect him and accept him the way that he is. God has created two different people to come together as one flesh. Because here's a truth bomb for you, ladies. If you're ready, say amen, ladies. If you're ready, say amen, ladies. Here it comes. The more you try to change your husband, the greater the risk is that you may push him to somebody else who will accept him the way he is. And that's a truth bomb for you. But the more you respect him, the greater the chance that he will want to change in order to honor you in order to bless you, in order to better himself for you. So be respectful. That's big. Number two, ladies, be attractive but modest. Be attractive but modest. Ladies, you might not think that's very important, but it's very important to him. Maybe it shouldn't be, but it is. It's just the way men are, are wired. So ladies, listen up. Treat yourself like a jewel, like the hope diamond. Treat yourself like a jewel, not conceited, not self-absorbed, 
not like a spoiled brat, but treat yourself as you are special. You are God's special daughter given to your husband to be joined with him as one flesh. Be special, worthy of his affection, and attractive to him. What do you think it was that got your husband's attention when y'all first started dating? Do you know what it was? Listen up. You were a hottie. That's right. I said it. When your husband met you, he said, holy smoke, she's looking good today. That's right. What makes you think that it's not still important to him today? Surely it is. So be respectful, ladies. Make sure that you're attractive but modest. But finally, be his partner. Be his partner. Genesis 2.18, the Bible, the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. So I'll make him a helper. Suitable for him. Perfect for him. See, this not only means to be his exclusive intimate partner, it also means to be his friend in every area of your life, in every area of his life. It means viewing your relationship with him as the number one most important human relationship you have. Believe it or not, you may not want to hear this, but you also ought to view your relationship with your husband more importantly than you do with your children. See, all the goodness that will come into your children will overflow from the joy of a godly marriage. If you'll get that right, your kids will benefit greatly. Today, I want to encourage you to appreciate your spouse or to remember your spouse. And to remember the joy that you shared. Appreciate your spouse for who she or he is. I encourage you to commit yourself to be an encourager. Commit yourself to becoming the best husband or the best wife that you can be. But listen, it ain't going to happen just by turning over a new leaf. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work. But it will be very, very rewarding. It's going to happen as you recommit yourself to the Lord. Once again, we find the picture of marriage between God's people and Christ. If you get this relationship right, the marriage is going to be right. You get this relationship right, your family is going to be right. You get this relationship right, the church is going to be right. So it all begins with us recommitting ourselves to the Lord to become God's instrument for being the very best person for our spouse. To bring richness into our spouse's life. And when you're both committed, and when you're both committed to helping the other, both people are going to be helped. Both spouses are going to be supported. Both spouses are going to be strengthened. And both are going to know that they are loved. Perhaps most of all in this life, we need to know that we are loved.
Jesus loved you so much that He gave Himself for you. Just like husbands ought to do for wives. But just like marriage, you have to accept that love. Just like marriage, you have to respond to that love. He can love you and love you and love you with all that He has. But if you don't accept that gift, if you don't accept that love, what good is that love? I want to ask you today, will you give yourself to Him? Him who loved you so much that He went sacrificially to die on a cross to purchase our sin freedom Purchase a place for us in heaven with our Father. See, it all begins here. Everything in life begins here. And until we get this right, marriage doesn't really have a hope. If we don't get this right, our family just flounders. If we don't get this right, the church is meaningless. This is so important. Don't leave this place this morning without having accepted the love of God and responded to that love by giving yourself to Him. That's our, this church's prayer for you today. So let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this incredible relationship that you created called marriage. It's such a beautiful picture when it's done right. When we follow your plan and when we fulfill your purposes, the picture is just absolutely beautiful. Lord, help us to be the best husbands we can be. Lord, help us to be the best wives we can be. Lord, help us to duplicate and emulate the kind of relationship that Jesus has with his people. Jesus, who loved his people so much that he gave himself for them. Father, if there's one here today that has not accepted the gift of God's love made possible through the sacrificial dying on the cross of Jesus, Lord, let them receive it today. What a special day this can be for them. It can truly be life-changing. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Christ Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.